0: Welcome back to the Time Theory Podcast, the podcast for people that know that their time on this planet is truly limited, and they want to better understand how reality works in order to better use that time on this planet. Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah. You you should have finished shoving that mic in my face (laughs) for those (laughs) Spotify listeners that have got no idea what's going on. (laughs) I'm getting abused behind the mic.
1: So we had a lot of audio problems in the last podcast, so I just thought I'd overcompensate (laughs) that by shoving a microphone down your throat.
0: Yeah. As those guys let us know in the comments. Yeah. They're brutal about it. <laughs> it
1: was good feedback, but
0: It's good feedback. We always yeah. appreciate the
1: feedback. All so, right, first section.
0: Q&A. Let's
1: jump right into it.
0: Someone asking on a YouTube post that I made that they're, they're watching YouTube for eight hours a day. You know, they get home from school, they go on ahead and they watch YouTube. They've got nothing else going on in their life. They just commit to YouTube for so many hours a day. It's pretty much all they do. In their spare time, it's on YouTube. On the weekend, it's YouTube. What advice do you have for someone like that
1: mm-hmm. um i mean so we, we see a ton of it obviously like it's probably the most common thing that i hear about in the strategy calls is i spend a lot of time on youtube mm-hmm. and i think that the one way to solve it is like you have to take the tactics approach and you have to take the strategy approach so tactics thing is like removing the cues so mm-hmm. getting something like df tube which is an amazing extension of course mm-hmm. removes like all the recommendations even the comments Everything at the home page, it's all gone. So, the only videos you can watch are the ones that you search for, mm-hmm. um, which I think it, it is perfect. Um, so, that's the tactic side. But then, I think the strategy side is having something better to do with your time. Mm-hmm. Often, when I speak to people about why they're on YouTube, it's that they, they have nothing to do. And so, that time is naturally filled by YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, filling that time with something else other than YouTube probably is the best way to
0: do it. 100%. I think on your second point, personal development for the sake of personal development is just mental masturbation Mm -hmm. there's no point improving yourself unless there's a reason for improving yourself otherwise you're just improving yourself because it feels good everything you read everything you do anything you implement on yourself to improve yourself has got to have real world applicable benefit so there's no point just quitting youtube for the sake of quitting youtube because then what are you going to do at that time The only benefit of quitting YouTube is if there's something more beneficial to replace that time with. And that's what people need to find. So for me, I would play games and I would watch YouTube. And no matter how many times I tried to stop gaming, I couldn't do it. And I would go back and I would game. Because as soon as gaming's gone, there's a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And something's going to fill up that vacuum. And obviously the things that bring the most fun and the most instant gratification are going to fill up that vacuum. The only time I could stop was when I had something to replace that time with which was the YouTube channel and the business. That's when things changed. Mm -hmm. So I think the most important piece of advice is to find something to replace YouTube, not just get rid of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And also like, If you can't necessarily do that, like everyone is always going to spend a little time on YouTube, I think Mm. like it's very difficult to get like remove it in your life because you don't necessarily even want to do that. Mm. And so it's just increasing the value that you get from YouTube by watching better videos, watching more productive videos. Mm -hmm. It's almost like positive procrastination, right? Watching better things, Mm -hmm. the Time Theory podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or even setting a rule for yourself: whenever you watch YouTube, you've got to take notes. That was something I did because I was struggling to draw the line between watching YouTube for it being beneficial, like you're saying, and just watching YouTube for entertainment and fun, and it's difficult to draw that line. But if you're writing notes, good luck writing notes on a Minecraft video, because <laughs> it's just obvious that there's nothing to write notes on. Yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah. little little rule to set yourself.
1: Yeah, I will only... Yeah, when I take notes and watch YouTube, it is productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The second question was, how do you approach decision-making, or at least big decisions?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really big one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that I do it is I have like a list of things that I value, um, the list of things that I value in life. And I just go through um, when choosing like whether to work on something, whether not to work on it, and I see which of those the tick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, there's, so there's two primary methods. That's one of them. And the other one is, so just to give some examples of things that I like, I have on there is like genuine human connection, um, novel memories, mm-hmm. um, power, money, um, fame to a certain degree as well like those are all things that I, I go for the list and I see. right score this out of 10 I go for each of those and I think okay right this is the one that I want to work mm-hmm. on for that um, and then the second one is Jeff Bezos's regret minimization framework mm-hmm. so I basically say okay if I didn't do this thing would I regret doing that when I was you know 18 mm-hmm. years old or whatever And so it's really those two core mental models that I run every decision through. Yeah, Um, and I try to sit down like maybe like once a month or so and run everything that I'm doing currently through those things, just Mm. make sure that what I'm working on this month is matching all of those things. Mm. And if it isn't, then just move on to something else.
0: Yeah, I think that second point is genius because so many people run they, they big decisions they think that it's new things coming along into their life but no like the things you're doing now you can make d- big decisions around those things for example should i quit this job mm-hmm. should i leave this relationship or whatever yeah. people run mental models which is what i would say is the primary method used to make big decision models make big decisions but they only run it on new decisions instead of current decisions that they currently make every right. single day
1: What do you think is more important, the decision to carry on doing something or the decision to start doing something?
0: I think they're both equally as important because regardless of what it is, it's just how you're using your time. It doesn't matter if it's day one or day 100. The past is the past. So it almost doesn't matter if you're on day 300 or day one because ignore the past, moving forwards into the future, you're either going to go from 300 to 301 or from one to two. And to me, that looks exactly the same.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're saying to consider carrying on some, like the decision to carry on with something every single day, the decision Mm that you make every single day, and to write and to weight that as heavily as you do even starting something. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And I think what you touched on is using mental models to make or help you make big decisions. Mm -hmm. The world's so complex. There's so many. You know, there's billions of factors that come into play to making one decision. Mm -hmm. There's things that you can't even think of. And the purpose of mental models is they simplify all of that. These mental models have been proven to work in all areas of of life, far more complex than the decision you're making. And if you trust this mental model, which simplifies everything, and you apply it to this decision-making principle, then hopefully, if you run multiple mental models, you'll be able to come up with a good decision. Mm -hmm. So like the regret minimization framework by Jeff Bezos and the the 80-20 principle, and all of these different mental models. If you just take a decision, and you apply multiple different mental models all of it mm-hmm. and you shine the light of the decision making through it, hopefully by the end most of the mental models will lead you to the same answer and then that's the decision you make. Yeah, that's I mean, trusting that. logic over the emotional side of your brain to make decisions. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And so I guess on a more tactical side, the way that I do that is I have like a deck of like cue cards mm-hmm. and the, every cue card has a mental model on it and I would just sit there and I will go through each mental model mm-hmm. and I will think like how does this decision play into that mental mm-hmm. model. So I run every single decision decision even what I'm currently working on through that deck of cards mm-hmm. and that gives me the opportunity to uh, remove cards add cards depending on like the you know the the, the outcome of that kind mm-hmm. of exercise I guess yeah
0: and then the crazy thing is is you've also got to weight those mental models on that decision mm-hmm. because some mental models apply more to this thing than other mental models some of them are more directly beneficial So as well as just going through and applying each one, you have to mentally weight each mental model and how accurate that result is going to be dependent on that mental model. Yeah. I think everyone should study mental models at some point. Yeah. I think it's one of those fields of study that's going to be huge in the next five, ten years Mm -hmm. because it's what all of the billionaires are thinking. All of them talk about it. They Mm -hmm. all have some kind of grounding in mental models. It's crazy.
1: Maybe we should do a video on that. Yeah. A point. an introduction to mental models that'd be really cool that'd be very cool yeah i think people would like that a lot yeah, definitely.
0: especially the audience that i've built up on this channel mm-hmm. because it's all about thinking about life it's all about analyzing and figuring out the way things really work yeah mental models are cool
1: yeah definitely and i've like i've more recently been trying to turn like classical philosophy into mental models mm-hmm. like stoicism actually does have its own mental model mm-hmm. which is you know uh What's it called? The, the dichotomy of control It's a fantastic example of a mental model. Mm-hmm. Like I, I literally have that in the deck. Like think about the dichotomy of control. So you can almost find hidden gems of mental models inside yeah. philosophy. That's the yeah. benefit of studying these these things.
0: Yeah. And it's also the benefit of studying multiple different fields, not just going into Western philosophy or this type of philosophy, and not just going into business or entrepreneurship or going into all of these different fields because you can pick up mental models from everywhere. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you if you went and you spoke with Roger Federer, a good tennis player, you spoke with him for a week, you're going to come up with a massive deck of mental models <laughs> because they all have them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's just about pruning that deck for what is like generally useful and for mm-hmm. what purposes those each serve, I guess. Yeah. Um, pun intended.
0: Where's the pun? <laughs> serve. <laughs> right. oh, I'm so slow. <laughs> I don't know whether it's your style because it was a shit
1: joke. Okay, um, next, uh, the biggest business problem.
0: Oh, yeah. So this was something that I wanted to spring on you for the podcast. (laughs) So when it comes to approaching a problem in the business, what you want to do is come to a solution that solves that problem, right? Mm. And it doesn't matter who came up with that solution. But I found that when I communicate with people, my style of communication comes across as quite accusatory. It's quite aggressive right and i want to figure out how i can communicate in a way where people's guards don't go up as if they're trying to defend their idea because in an ideal world i don't give it i don't care whose idea it was i want to come to the right solution Mm -hmm. but i I haven't found a way to communicate in a way where people's guards don't go up when i'm saying i don't know if your solution is the best solution
1: right okay so can you give me an example of something that you say that Ah. sounds like that
0: i don't know i don't know and maybe that's the problem right because i'm not conscious about what i'm saying so
1: when did you realize this
0: i think in the past few days right working us together there's times that your guard's gone up and then i'm like oh wait no like i'm not attacking your idea (laughs) i'm like no no, i'm not attacking you or your idea i just want to come to the right solution and then you're like oh okay
1: So it could be something on both sides then. So it could be your talking style and it could be me not recognizing that you genuinely want to do that, right? Maybe, yeah. So I think the most important thing is to recognize that that is a dynamic that we have. Yeah. And then we can just kind of work around that. I don't know whether you have to change your talking style. I think I do. It's just you have to be open about I talk in a dumb way. Right. That isn't necessarily communicating exactly what I need. But yeah,
0: but to me... If, if I'm 20 years old and I'm going to be talking with people for the next 80 years of my you life. You don't want to have to explain them. I don't want to have to explain that every single time. I would rather just, you know, change what I can control, the way I communicate, and hope <laughs> that most, you know, increase the likelihood that they see that I'm not attacking them.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, instead of carrying a like, little cue card that says, Hi, my name is Andrew, I do <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm wearing on a, I badge, take, like, a really getting a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so have you not noticed me doing that? No, I don't think really? so. Really?
1: Yeah, I don't think so.
0: Okay, maybe um, it's not so bad. Maybe I'm just overthinking.
1: Yeah, possibly. Just I mean, that is always a chance. Like, I've never felt like you were attacking me for. Me. Okay. I felt. I always know that it's because of the. Okay, that's the argument, good. Right, that's good. Um, but it, I mean, it'd be really helpful if you could think of a specific example. Oh, I just can't think of a specific example.
0: I, I can think of one yesterday where I said something, you got defensive, and then I was like, "Oh no, I'm not attacking your idea," right, or, or like, "I'm not attacking you." I'm just wondering if this is the best solution. It was to do with tracking. Right. Because we're setting up a complex tracking system for the website. Sure. And yeah. I said something like, oh, does Adblock, this is what it was. I was like, oh, does Adblock stop the tracking? Yeah, yeah, And then you were like, well, yeah, but it doesn't feel like blah, 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 uh, Yeah, that was it. That yeah. was it.
1: Yeah, because you were getting annoyed at the yeah almost the fact that that exists rather than at me for but
0: because you created that thing that exists yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was almost as if I was attacking you yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah I noticed exactly that as well that's yeah. really interesting yeah um, so basically I had set up this tracking thing mm-hmm. um, and then you said oh does AdBlock not work on that yeah um, and then I took that to mean oh shit, I've done something wrong here. I should try and overwork. Uh, I should be getting around at Apolog. But that's yeah. not, yeah.
0: Because there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Literally. So I was attacking the thing you made.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I wonder what that, because, I mean, you did say pretty quickly after you realised that I was, like, taken aback. By, yeah. Um, that, oh, yeah, I, I meant Apolog, not you. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, how could we, how do we communicate that in such a way? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's <sighs> any way.
0: I feel like maybe preluding the thing by saying, just letting you know, we're trying to find the optimal solution. Yeah. This isn't an attack at your idea. I'm just playing devil's advocate.
1: Yeah, but then it something almost is like it's down to me, then, right? Really? Yeah, it's almost quite condescending, like, oh, I can't take feedback. If you have to qualify mm-hmm. your feedback, then you're just saying you're almost moving it along to something else where I can't. Oh yeah, true. I think it's just a relationship thing. Right. You have to like, we have to sit down and analyze those examples like mm-hmm. that and then we'll notice it going ahead. Mm -hmm. Like it's just something that has to be built up over time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Ray Dalio, I mean, we got his book right here. (laughs) He, like when he onboards people, he has people go through those scenarios and tells them like, this is what, you know, this is what this person did well. So they watch video clips Mm -hmm. and then they go through it. And so I think it's really about analyzing like past examples and then trying to come just being able to recognize it so that you can shut it down as fast as possible
0: yeah it's like having a case study and instead of just viewing that as a singular event you use that case study you analyze it and then you can apply it whenever it comes up in the future mm-hmm. i think that in relationships that's so important mm-hmm. because there's so many times when you know you get annoyed by something somebody does mm-hmm. and then it repeats again and again and again and you either choose to recognize that's a case study and deal with it as as picking it apart and because there's so many times you get in an argument and you realize you're not arguing about the thing you're actually arguing mm-hmm. about. There's something deeper, mm-hmm. right? But instead of just viewing that as a singular event, you treat it as a case study. Mm-hmm. Recognize if you don't deal with it now, it's gonna be a recurring event yeah. and treat it with that much importance, mm-hmm. then problems can get resolved so much better.
1: Yeah, so by you, you both have to, like like we're doing now, take a step back, look at the incident that happened, analyze it, kind of add that to your mental repository. Because mm-hmm. um, then, You know, if it happens again, it will probably pattern match that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, But I think it's also important not to bring that up again if that makes Mm -hmm. sense so like this is more towards like the relationship side of things but you don't want to be saying oh you remember two months ago when we were you know (laughs) having an ice cream and you said you didn't like vanilla yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) like you don't want to be harboring that kind of resentment yeah um you don't want to be bringing it up again but you do want to be able to recognize it in the future Mm um so i think that's a really important thing yeah i i
0: I don't think you should bring it up from the past you should then treat if it happens again as that's the case study and Mm -hmm. you you ignore what's happened in the past Mm -hmm. there's this phrase that i got from some book where it's saying in a relationship you've got to blow off the dust you can't let the dust settle Mm -hmm. and the dust is like little bits of resentment that end up building up over time Mm -hmm. and regularly at the end of the day or maybe once a week you've got to wipe off that dust make sure you've got no resentment because over time those little things really add up Mm -hmm. it's like death by a thousand cuts Mm -hmm. and can really ruin a relationship from just tiny little things that could be resolved by some simple communication
1: Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering how we can like set like an activator for those events, right? So we had that event earlier, yesterday even, with the the whole tracking thing. Um, And it would be really dangerous if we didn't follow up on that, or if you didn't qualify that you weren't angry. Mm -hmm. If you didn't say that, oh, I'm not angry at you, I'm angry at Adblock, for example, (laughs) which we both use, but anyway, yeah. um, so, I don't know. It'd be nice to make sure that that always happens. There is Mm -hmm. never anything. I, I don't know. Maybe it's like a weekly meeting where we sit down and we have that conversation. Like, is there anything that went wrong this week?
0: Yeah, potentially. I think more because we're both so good at dealing with things when they come up, it makes more sense just to try and deal with it as it comes up. Mm-hmm. Because we don't, I don't think we need to sit down for an hour long conversation. Because within one sentence, we would completely diffuse the situation. I said, oh, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at this. And there's nothing we can do to control that. So I'm not going to be angry anymore. Yeah, yeah. That singular sentence diffused all tension and yeah. removed all resentment. Yeah. So I think it's just getting better and dealing with it as it comes up, kind of like we did yesterday.
1: Yeah. I so I think it answers your question. It's not so much a problem about your talking style. It's a problem <laughs> of our relationship. Okay. And that's what we should focus on, mm-hmm. is how people connect. And you can see why in bigger organisations, this problem gets so much more complex. Like you add a third person, yeah. and it's all of our relationships with each other. You add mm-hmm. a fourth person. And that's why culture in big or- organisations is so important. Yep. Because culture is what defines all of those relationships. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's good because if we're going to grow a big company of defining the initial conditions now defining how we interact with each other mm-hmm. is going to spill over into how people interact with people 10 years down the road mm-hmm. so i think it's really good that we're having these conversations now yeah it's yeah. definitely good communication
1: yeah yeah definitely all right let's um talk about time tips yes um so i think the first one is um we discussed last time about portals and mm-hmm. how you can jump through a portal which will put you way ahead of the time curve mm-hmm. i think it was episode three was it um, just in case we wanted to go back. Um, and so one of the things that we identified was finding a mentor. And mm. so I just wanted to kind of quickly discuss whether you had any ideas about how to find and acquire great mentors.
0: Yeah, it's a difficult one, especially if you don't have money, mm-hmm. because it's easy to buy pretty decent mentors. Maybe not, you know, the top of the top mentors who have enough money that they don't care about it. But it's fairly easy to acquire mentors if you're willing to spend. It's just coaches. Mm. There's not that much difference between a mentor and a coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, In your question, are we talking about people that aren't willing to spend money?
1: Um, Yeah, I think, yeah, sure.
0: Okay, I mean, that's an interesting way to do it. Because then you really, I I guess, if you're bringing them money or something else, you've got to bring them something in return. You know, money's the obvious example, because that's how we, you know, deal with things in normal day-to-day life. But you've got to bring something for them. People are in, you know, inherently selfish. If you're not bringing the mentor something, he's not going to do anything in return for you. Mm-hmm. So maybe if he's older, you can just bring him youthful enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And for some mentors, that'll be enough. Mm-hmm. But for most, it won't be. So you've got to dig deeper. What does that person really want? Maybe they want to have an ego. Maybe they want to use you as a success story for their blog. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case is, try and provide them with something that they want before you ask them, to give you something
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so i think like the best answer that i have is just to be doing cool shit that they want to hear about anyway Mm -hmm. like if they have heard about you already and have seen what you're doing already and it makes it so much easier for you to go up to them and be like hey you know i'm working on this would you be and they're like oh my god yeah i would love to do that Mm -hmm. Um, you know that they're above you in some cases but they recognize that you're above them as well Mm -hmm. like i think it's it should almost be your goal to um, be doing cool stuff that they want to talk to you about anyway, mm-hmm. rather than having to go to them, and because then you're kind of below them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's kind of nurturing that kind of almost like brand, uh, nurturing all of those things mm-hmm. um, in order to become the person that they would want to speak to anyway. Mm-hmm. That's just a surefire way to get great mentors. Yeah. But that's also easier said than done, right? Yeah. So I think, and then also you kind of need the mentors in order to get those things in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is where, you know, quite a lot of like the, you know who you're brought up around can have a huge effect like mm-hmm. your your family's network um uh, and all those kind of things like it makes it easier for people um and that's kind of where you see like the rich getting richer kind of thing coming from yeah um and so i'm just trying to think if there's any hacks to get over i that. think
0: nowadays the internet's equalized the playing fields right because if i'm a met if i'm if say i'm 60 years old i don't care if i You know, if I'm friends with your dad, if the kids are spoiled (laughs) brats, I'm not going to dedicate an hour a week to him. Sure. And I think because of the Internet, you can get in. like the Internet makes everything transparent. If Mm -hmm. you're doing cool stuff, you can get people to realize you're doing cool stuff. Yeah. Say that you've got this crazy idea. If you film 100 podcast episodes and then say to say to a mentor, this is what I've done. And they go and they listen to a couple. They really like it. It equalizes the playing field. Do you get? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd be interested to know because you've been around investors a lot and in startups. Mm-hmm. If you had to summarize, what's an investor looking for in a person? What would you say they're looking for?
1: In a person? Oh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, obviously they're looking for a return on investment, mm-hmm. but I think they're looking for someone who can capably run the business right okay. that's quite simply what they're looking for mm. someone that they could trust with their money in order to go forward mm-hmm. so it's definitely like someone with a vision somebody who has drive somebody who has confidence mm. um, and somebody that they could get along with as well i think mm. that's often more important you have to be someone that they could you know go out for coffee with and just mm-hmm. have a good time with yeah um, So I think that's definitely really important. Mm -hmm. So I think it's probably quite similar for mentors as well. That's why I'm bringing it up, Um, yeah. And just someone that intrigues them as well. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to know that you're working on something that's completely new. They want to work on something that they think, oh, I would love to learn more about that, or I'd love to see that actualized in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, True, I think yeah, the best investors often look for that. Um, Some of them are probably just maybe just for the money, just for the money. Um, but angel investors definitely they're probably Mm -hmm. looking for something that's going to make them go oh that's that's interesting yeah
0: so when we were talking about mentors yesterday I had to think about it the conclusion I came to is that you need to have a vision you need to be doing something that they're like, wow, that's cool, that's interesting, that's unique, that's different, that's surprising, whatever it is, but you've got to have something. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, they've got to believe that you've got the potential to achieve that thing. Mm-hmm. There's no point just saying, you know, I'm gonna cure the world of everything, all of the world's problems. Yeah. Because although that's a quite a cool vision, you know, they don't believe that you can do it. Yeah. So for me, my intuition says that to find a cool mentor, you've got to have a really cool vision mm-hmm. and you've got to have it defined clearly in a way that intrigues. Yeah. But then you've also got to prove to them that you could actually reach that vision with their help so that they feel like they're needed they feel like they're wanted they feel like they're valued
1: yeah i think you've just drawn a really awesome parallel there Mm -hmm. and so finding a mentor is like finding an investor for your business and you have to see them the same and I think one parallel that I didn't you did mention is that investors will always look for some kind of early traction. Mm-hmm. They want to see that you're already on the path and mm-hmm. that they're just going to help them get there faster. Yeah. You want to de-risk it for them. And so I think that does come down to the doing cool shit. Mm-hmm. Like They want to see that you're already doing cool stuff and that you're already getting a lot of traction and mm-hmm. a lot of interest. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's definitely the right path. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting parallel.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you had to summarise what you've just said into a five-step solution to finding a mentor, yeah. what would be your best shot at that?
1: Uh, I think it's just as simple as just do cool shit. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Do cool shit, have a good time, um, and have a vision. Really? Yeah. I, think, I, I don't know. Do you think there's something I'm missing there?
0: I think, that must, I think there's a lot, because you could go surfing unless yeah. you're doing something cool.
1: Yeah, but you're going to find a surfing mentor.
0: Yeah, true. Oh, if, very true. If
1: you're like, if you're surfing and you're doing like new tricks or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, you're surfing with like a, I don't know, a glass surfboard. Someone is going to be like, yeah, that's rad, dude. That's, <laughs> that's you know, I'll yeah. mentor and There's like a 60 year old surfer. Right. Um, yeah. Okay.
0: So you're doing cool stuff. Um, you've got the vision. Yeah. How do you meet these mentors? How do you get in contact with them? How do you even make them aware of you? Because if you're in the middle of the ocean, they're yeah. going to have no idea that you're out there <laughs> with a glass surfboard.
1: Well, that's that's what the cool shit does, is the cool shit is going to get people to talk about you. Those people talk about you. Those people talk about you. And mm-hmm. then eventually one of those is going to be the mentor, right? So I think the start is doing cool shit, and then you start to get people... Coming around the cool shit. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that, that guy's surfing on a glass surfboard, that's mm-hmm. awesome. And the one is going to be, like, oh, yeah, I used to do that when I was 60. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm 80, let's go help him out.
0: Yeah. I think while well, that sounds good in reality, that's not grounded in reality. Right. There's no way, because, I mean, we're doing cool stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. There's no one that's going to outreach to you. Yeah. So it's up for the surfer to go up and go to that crowd okay. and, go to, and try to find who right. inside of that crowd mm-hmm. um, it is willing to help. And it's going to be so much warmer than if you were just to walk up to a crowd of people and tap on people's shoulders and be like, hey, I'm trying to, you know.
0: Okay. okay. So say you wanted Julian Shapiro, mm-hmm. we're now, who's, who's one of your you know, people that you look up to.
1: Definitely.
0: Say that we're doing cool stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a vision. Mm-hmm. What's the next step to getting to him? You've got to find a way to, because his attention is guarded. He's got yeah. layers and layers of people. You can't email him because he's got assistants and stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you break through all of that and get his attention to even look at you?
1: Or just to be the kind of person that he wants to speak to anyway. So, I mean, it's just growing the company. It's Mm -hmm. getting to a point where we're almost on equal levelling, And then I can go and speak to him. Mm -hmm. like it'd be fairly easy if he had already read my articles if he's already aware of what we're doing here and he loves it Mm -hmm. then it's so much easier to go and talk to him right yeah
0: I completely agree and I think you've nailed the strategy completely on the head Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to pry for some tactics (laughs) right like you've got to you've got to do something to break through even if you're really cool because there's many cool people I think you've got to do something that's going to shock them to grab their attention enough to even spare you a minute to see if what you're doing is cool enough. Mm-hmm. So from, just, just think of the craziest things you can do. Brainstorm. How can you get into his you know, sphere of attention? Yeah. Maybe you go out and you send him something, read all of his blog posts mm-hmm. and then send him something like that's a personal joke. Yeah, that yeah. might be like, oh, I can appreciate the effort he's put into it. I think you've got to do something like that. If you're reaching up to high mentors to break through, to even get 10 seconds of their time in order to to look at you to see whether you're a valuable enough person in order to invest their time into.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Cool. (laughs) Quotes.
1: Quote. Quote.
0: Oh no, we've got one more time tip. Oh, of course. Which is checklists. Mm -hmm. So this is something the military does so often. Mm -hmm. Every single thing is regimented. They have systemized everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you want to better use your time better, you've got to come up with systems for absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. We've touched on systems for food. But you should have systems for your daily routine. You should have systems for how you execute on those things within that daily routine. Mm. When you answer your emails, how do you go about doing it? Do you reply to people straight away? What software do you use? What is the, the mental model that you're applying to doing your emails? Mm. When you're talking with someone, how can you extract the most value from that conversation? Yeah. Like it's all about systemizing, coming up with the best practice for each activity that you regularly do. Mm-hmm. and then executing on that best practice consistently that's mm-hmm. how you get the best results
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, I, Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't really have anything more to add than that they just use checklists checklists um, are the best they are the best
0: yeah because yeah. um, there's so often that you forget something and it's mm-hmm. inefficient you just write a checklist keep it in your notes on your phone yeah put it on a piece of paper and pin it up somewhere
1: literally whatever
0: it is, checklists are the best Uh, for example editing this video editing this podcast we should have a checklist that says you know run through cut off the ends cut off the beginning and you tick that Mm -hmm. make multiple cuts for each of the different segments that we're talking about so we can use that as different videos have another checklist make the intro so as you're going through and you're editing this you're able to see everything you've got to do and it just makes it more efficient
1: right let's move on to quotes yes
0: To achieve great things, two things are needed, a plan and not quite enough time. So the reason I brought this up is because this was a conclusion that we came to within the procrastination program, Mm -hmm. that you've got to have a greater demand for your time than supply. Mm -hmm. So you've always got to have slightly more things on your plate than you can suitably chew. Because if you don't, the way I view it is that activities fill up the space that you provide for those activities. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a year to reach a certain goal, it's going to take you a year to reach that certain goal. But if you compress it to a month, well, there's a chance that you'll reach it in a month, if not two months. But at least that's a lot quicker than 10 months Mm -hmm. or or, or an extra 10 months. So by having more on your plate, by having not quite enough time, Mm -hmm. I think that productivity increases loads. So this is really counterintuitive. Because most people, when they procrastinate, they think, "Oh, if I'm not doing this, I've got to take stuff off of my plate." Because then maybe I'll do those things better. But counterintuitively, we found better results with people in the program by getting them to add more on their plate. That's when more gets done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's exactly what that quote is talking about as mm-hmm. well. Um, is yeah, maybe it's even like just decreasing the amount of time you allot yourself so that you feel like you're rushing for it mm-hmm. as well, but potentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that, and yeah. I think that having a greater demand for your time than supply is perhaps one of the greatest things that I've heard mm-hmm. in a long time. And I know that that solely came from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember when I heard that, I was like, "Damn, I got to work with this guy. <laughs> he knows his shit, right?" Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So huge props for that. Um, Thank you. But I think that's quite similar to like, because you applied the laws of economics to time, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another one of those parallels where you can learn something yeah, and then bring it over to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I can can put you behind that.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. And it's definitely counterintuitive because mm-hmm. you know, you think, oh, there's too much on my plate, I've got to reduce stuff. But actually adding more onto your plate can get so much done. Mm-hmm. And like you were mentioning about shortening time, I did this experiment where when I was editing videos, I just didn't like the process of doing it. So what I did was I would start a stopwatch and I would open it on my computer monitor and I would say, right, what time is it just impossible for me to finish editing this video? And it would be like 42 minutes. And for me, I'd be like, there is no way that I can edit this video in that much. Then I would walk around the room, get myself hyped up, pretend I was about to run a 100 meter sprint, go five, four, three, two, one, sit at my laptop, press the start button and just work as intensely as I could. And it was so much fun, because it's just like, running a race is fun, mm-hmm. and it felt like I was competing. It felt like I was really pushing myself and trying to accelerate things. And most of the time, I could edit the video pretty close to the time limit, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, By yeah. shortening that time, <laughs> you can get more done.
1: Yeah, but I don't think you can sprint for everything, right?
0: No, you'd, yeah. you'd get tired.
1: You've only got to a certain amount of so I mean, you have gotta use that carefully.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree it's like nitrous
1: yeah yeah exactly you sometimes you can press that button sometimes you can't mm-hmm. um, yeah I think people can often do things in a short amount of time than they anticipate if mm-hmm. they really rush for I it I completely agree um, But something I mean, you don't want to. what are you doing with your dissertation leaving <laughs> <laughs> it until the last minute on purpose because then I can do it in two days instead of you know you know I don't really care about the results of it I care about the learning about the process of doing it mm-hmm. um, and so doing it in a shorter amount of time you know, it's always weird to, to say, and I, I feel like I'm always clamping up here, because it feels weird that we're teaching people about procrastination, but I am actively choosing to procrastinate, I guess, in a weird way, on my dissertation, because I know that I can do it in a couple of days. And the
0: difference is, that's you procrastinating something you don't value, mm-hmm. where procrastination is really bad when you're procrastinating on things you really value. Yeah. And that's that's the difference there. That
1: is the difference, Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe we can talk about our views on university. <laughs> Another podcast. Because <laughs> <Another. laughs> we will be here a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I want to move on um, and talk about this quote um, from Eric Weinstein. So basically the quote goes that um, mm-hmm. you have to look around the room um, and remove everything that has a screen on it. So mm-hmm. remove you know, the TV, remove the smartphones, remove the computers. Now, is that room distinctive in any way from 1970? So when you remove all of, like, phones and computers Mm -hmm. and TVs, actually society hasn't technologically progressed that much.
0: Hasn't progressed, not just technologically, but it hasn't progressed much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the point. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, cars.
1: I don't think cars have changed all that much from 1970, Mm -hmm. to be completely honest. Slightly more safe. Maybe there's, yeah. Maybe they've got a big screen put in it, like a Tesla, and maybe they're going towards batteries, which I think is, is fantastic. But mm. yeah, they're not floating or flying. Or... It's
0: not zero to one. Yeah, absolutely. As Peter Thiel says in his book, zero to one, yeah. <laughs> which is about, you know, creating something brand new. Nobody cares about improving something. This is a really good business lesson people don't care if you're better than competitors people want something brand new yeah. that's when you can really capitalize on, on a market that's when you can really grow you can really spread your word you can really make a difference yeah. it's by creating something that people have never seen before yeah. and and the point is there's not much new <laughs> apart from screens yeah. apart from technology
1: yeah i mean think it, so basically he's talking about how We've managed to grab all the low-hanging fruit from mm. computer science and from all of these things, mm. but he's saying that there's a whole orchard in biology right. and um, all these other places where um, th- we haven't actually gone too deep into it yet. Right. And that's because like a multitude of reasons. Like biology is really difficult because of all the policy around it. Right. Um, and I think we've also done a certain amount of picking of the, the physics orchards as well. I mean, you mm. think like uh, nuclear, all that kind of stuff. Um, but the whole point is, is that life hasn't changed that much. Um, since 1970, which I think is—it it blew my mind when I heard that—is mm-hmm. that actually when I do look around this room, it isn't as technologically developed as I think people would have anticipated.
0: No, no not at all. It's crazy. I mean, there's there's inefficiencies everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, now that the coronavirus thing's going on and we're having to open door handles, mm-hmm. why is every door not automated? <laughs> like this sounds like I'm being really like stuck up and like. Uh, it's not about that. Yeah. It's just by, we should be developing as a society Mm -hmm. and I can see inefficiencies absolutely everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want those Star Trek doors to go, shh. That'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. I mean, why why do we
0: have to open curtains manually? Yeah, again, like, this sounds like I'm being stuck up, but it's just like, that is an improvement on the current feature that we have. So why do we not all have that yet?
1: It's almost beneficial to be stuck up, like specifically as an entrepreneur, to always be looking around and thinking, I'm not happy with this.
0: This could be better.
1: This could be better. I can make this better. Mm -hmm. I mean, the difference between stucking up and um, not being stuck up is the willingness to act on those things. So if you really wanted to, and so it's one thing to complain, oh, I don't like that. You know, I don't like that my um, belonging doesn't move up. Um, but an entrepreneur goes, okay, I don't like that. Let's fix that, or I'm willing to fix that, and I'm choosing not to fix that at the moment because I'm working on something else. Yeah,
0: people. I think um. you've just articulated what I was thinking better than I could articulate it myself. <laughs> because, like when I say, or oh, the curtain should go across, I'm not getting angry. Mm-hmm. I'm not being emotionally upset. The fact the curtains are going, I'm just identifying that there is something that could be improved, mm-hmm. like this tripod. It, the, the thing that this camera is stood on
1: mm-hmm.
0: doesn't work well at all it doesn't work well at all yeah. and we're like right this should work better yeah things should work better it's almost good yeah like you're saying it's good that we have that because mm-hmm. we're able to identify areas that can be improved and the difference is us not getting emotionally affected by it and recognizing we could do something about it if we wanted to yeah so yeah. that's it <laughs> Um, don't forget in the links below, we've linked us to Spotify. You can go ahead and follow us on Spotify where you'll be able to get all of this content. You'll be able to listen to everything. So go click that link. Let us know what segments you'd like and what segments you want us to get rid of. Suggest new segments for us to implement and just always let us know what you think down in the comments. We always read every single comment on the podcasts and we really appreciate your feedback.